Welcome to the podcast of Peace NBC. Our mission is to reach everyone who is someone in the eyes of the Lord. Listen to this mighty word of God that will bless you. We hope you are touched and blessed by this podcast. To connect with this ministry or for more about Peace NBC, visit our website or email us at pmbc at peacembchurch.org. Come grow with Come peace. Grow with Come peace. Grow with I don't know how many kids she just took back there, but I got three and I can barely deal with them. So we thank God for, for Sister Kim's willingness. And we thank God for all of our, our church body who is serving our ushers, our media team, our deacons, our mothers. Don't our mothers look good this morning? Oh, y'all could say amen better than that. All right. <laughs> Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the goodness you've granted unto us. We thank you for your kindness, your mercy, and your favor. Father, we could not be here right now. Life could be different. But Father, for some reason, you've allowed us to live. And because you've allowed us to live, Father, we say thank you. Father, we thank you because your mercy is new every morning. Father, we thank you because despite what we face and despite what we go through in life, there's one thing that we can still say, and that is that you are good. And so, Father, we thank you for your goodness now, Father, for the next few fleeting moments. We, your people, stand in expectation to hear from you. Father, we ask that you would plant a seed down in our spirit that would blossom into fruit that we could share with this world. Father, we pray that you would give us a word that would sustain us, guide us, and move us forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to tell a little joke and uh, shake off my nerves, and then I'm going to preach for a little bit. There was a young couple that had just gotten married, and they were excited about marriage. And so right after they tied the knot, the wife looks at the husband and says, you know, I'm so happy we got married. She said, because I just realized the Bible says that the man has to make the coffee every morning. So the man looked at her. What do you mean the Bible said that? Show me in the Bible where it says that the man has to make coffee every morning. She said, it's right here. He brews. Y'all get it? Y'all got it? All right. All right. I'm done now. I'll text this morning. It's coming from the book of Ephesians. I need to stick with preaching, huh? i text this morning. It comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 18. The book of Ephesians, chapter 5 and verse 18. I'm going to ask that we stand for the reading of God's word. The book of Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. When you have it, say, I got it. If you need time, say, hold on a minute. All right. Hebrew, Hebrew is in my mind. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. All right. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. My thought this morning is very simple. It is from fruit to wine. From fruit to wine. Last week, we dealt a bit about the fruit of the Spirit. 
However, this week, I'd like to share a bit on how the fruit we bear is just the beginning of the maturation and refining process. The power of the Holy Ghost can be likened to the mysterious process by which we are called the saints. Uh, it is like a small seed that is planted within us by a family member, a friend, or even a stranger. But it doesn't stop there. Others come along, watering that seed until it buds into a conviction. I believe that there are certain convictions we have because they've been reinforced throughout our life. For example, a lot of our political views come from the fact that our parents had certain political persuasions. Our grandparents had certain political persuasions. As a matter of fact, even our faith has been influenced by seeds that were planted and waterings throughout our life. The seeds that are planted in us by others will contribute to the way we grow up and the way we see the world as we mature. Finally, the Holy Spirit will come along and ignite that conviction. And the result of it is ripe fruit. That ripe fruit will lead to a humble response and answer to God's call. None of us are here today because we ultimately just one day randomly happened to decide we were going to live for Christ. That decision came because somebody witnessed to us, somebody said something, and then we started to see how life was a little bit different for the folks who did believe. They wasn't probably struggling as bad. They had a little bit more joy. And so we said, listen, whatever they have, I want. The, the wine fermentation process is symbolic for the Holy Spirit's work in us. Like wine, we as individuals must undergo a rigorous refinement process to shed off the impurities that we have and become godlike. Uh, it would be lost if we didn't know that just as grapes undergo this refinement process to become wine, we as individuals go through this process of purification. When grapes are harvested, when they are picked off of the vine, they contain imperfections. Just like fruit, we are born into this world with shortcomings, but we also are born with things that could be useful for God's purpose. Uh, in the growing of grapes, as they grow grapes in a vineyard, they will say that a vine that struggles produces a more intense wine. Now, this is for the people that feel like Miss Sophia when she said, all my life, I had to fight. The people who had to eat syrup sandwiches, uh, uh, the people who had to wear hand-me-downs can understand that I might have struggled then, but now I'm eating steak. Many of us develop deficiencies in our character that come from the process of our upbringing. Some of our sisters were raised by single mothers and grandmothers. And while they were raised, they were taught to be strong, which caused them to be more masculine. That's why today we have so many women that are out of touch with their femininity. Some of our brothers never saw love expressed in the form of soft words. And so as an adult, we speak with foul and profane language, oftentimes pushing away the very people that have our best interests at heart. But just as grapes are crushed and pressed to release the juice, so are we when we go through various trials and tribulations. During the fermentation, the yeast consumes the sugars in grape juice, producing alcohol and releasing carbon dioxide. 
Likewise, as we yield to the Holy Spirit's work, he begins to transform us from the inside out. He consumes the sugars of our old nature, the selfish desires and sinful tendencies, and replaces them with what we call the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. There was a time where some of us would slash your tires and watch you drive off in joy. But because we got the Holy Ghost, we just pray for you now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Throughout the fermentation process, the wine is carefully monitored and protected from external factors that could spoil its quality. Also, the Holy Spirit guides and safeguards us, providing us with wisdom, discernment and protection as we undergo this transformation. Over time, as the wine matures and ages, it becomes richer, more refined and more valuable. Comparably, as we allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, we grow in spiritual maturity developing a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for our lives. In Ephesians chapter five, Paul finds himself yet again trying to get the church back on track to refinement. Ephesians is believed to have been written during the imprisonment of Paul somewhere between 60 and 62 AD. Paul decides to write this letter to the church due to his concern that the saints had lost their way. The church by this time had seen many challenges. After dealing with the challenges of the deeply rooted pagan worship of the goddess Diana, the church still couldn't seem to get it right. Paul writes this letter to stabilize the church and to reinforce the teachings of Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter five, he begins by telling the church to be imitators of God and walk in love. You see, we understand that if we really believe in God, we can't be nice to God and mean to each other. He goes on in verses three through 14 to explain that there is a standard for the people who are called saints. If you're going to walk this walk, if you're going to live a righteous life, there are some things that you just cannot do. He begins by telling them not to allow fornication. Dirty works and unnecessary greed to be named among them. He reminds them that they are children of the light and that light ought not to fellowship with darkness. If we really believe in God, we can't use the word friend loosely. We can't hang out with drug dealers and gangbangers and think that we are really being the light. Because I firmly believe that if we are around people and their lives aren't changing and there's no conviction when we're present and they don't tell us I can't hang around you because there's something about your present that makes me want to change, then obviously the light is not on. You've become as dark as the people you hang around. In verse 16, he says that we need to redeem the time. He instructs us that time is not to be wasted, but rather to be cultivated and harvested into purpose. This phrase encourages us to wisely utilize every opportunity that comes our way. No matter what the world throws at us, God is presenting you a unique opportunity to let your light shine, to get your time back. I don't know about you, but there's been some situations where I wish I could get my time back. I wish I could go back 
back and do that thing over. I wish I could have it another way. But with the grace of God, there are some moments that will come where God will allow me to get back everything that I lost. So Paul, Paul, Paul writes to us and he instructs us that there is a standard. There's a way that you ought to live. But when we get to verse 18, he gives us the solution to how we're going to live this life. How can we be imitators of God? How is it that we are going to walk in love when people are nice to us? How is it that we're going to maintain a standard where it seems like everybody around us is losing their morals? He tells us to not be drunk with wine. I'll be honest, church, I got a little confused here. Because all chapter long, Paul mentions nothing about wine. He says nothing about bourbon and out and whiskey and vodka. He doesn't mention any time any kind of alcohol. But when we get to verse 18, he says, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess. I believe that what Paul is trying to instruct us is that wine is just a symbolism for doctrine. Wine is symbolic for what you learn, what guides you, what is moving you, what is instructing you. Doctrine is simply teaching. Paul is letting us know, and I don't really have time to lay it out, but I promise you, if you come to Bible study, you'll get it. Paul is trying to get them to understand that when you are drunk, you are under the influence of another God. I talked last week about the inside God. I ain't never been drunk, but I can imagine that when you are drunk, there's something that happens to the way you walk and the way you talk and the way you behave. And guess what? Just like alcohol, the world will influence the way you talk. The world will influence the way you walk, where you go, where you hang out with, what you like. The world will have you acting crazy. And then people say something wrong with that boy, something wrong with that girl ever since they went over there. They ain't never been the same. The doctrine of this world leads to excess. Notice the word excess really means extra. It means something that you really don't need. It means something that could be cut off. The doctrine of this world leads to excess. The Bible says it like this. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. It says, love not the world. I, I, I got a problem with the way we use the word love because when we say love we often act like we're talking about the feeling uh, but when we get in an argument we'll say things like you don't really love me you yell at me you don't really love me you curse me what that means is there's an expectation attached to how i want to feel and if you ain't meeting that expectation that means that you are not being obedient so when the bible says love not the world it's telling us obey not the world neither the things that are in the world if any man love the world the love of the father is not in him you can't love the world you can't love smoking dope you can't love having sex. You can't love living un un unworthy and think that you can come into the house of God and tell God, oh, I love you, Lord. I'm going to do whatever you want me to do. If you really wanted to do what God wanted you to do, you would learn that some of that stuff has to get cut off. In verse 16, he says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Uh, that means the things that attract your eyes, the things that attract your ears, that perfume you smelling, that's just the lust of the flesh. 
and the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. I had to train my eyes not to look at another woman. I'll be honest for a few minutes. Yeah, I'm a man. But I had to learn there. My eyes can't risk my marriage. My eyes can't risk my soul. If I want to look at something, close my eyes and imagine my wife. I, I ain't got to come to Bible study. I'll talk about it later. The Bible goes on to say in the pride of life, this life will have you feeling like you really something. But the problem is there's an expiration date on this life. And when it's all over, yes, there'll be people who cry. Yes, there'll be people who are sad. But guess what? You don't know it, but there's also going to be people who are waiting on the check to cash. There's going to be people who are waiting on the moment to move on when ain't nobody looking so they can go in that special place in your closet where they knew you hear stuff. Why? Because this life will have you thinking people really care when in reality nobody cares like the Lord. And so he says these things is not of the father, but is of the world. The world will have you thinking that all these things are important. In our text, the word excess is here. This word means riotous behavior, extra behavior, things that are not comely. This is the excess. This is the excess that too much worldly wine will lead to. Excess is when you carelessly lay down with whomever because you are not sober. I ain't never been in that situation, but I can imagine waking up and realizing you made a mistake. That probably happened because your judgment was clouded. Have you ever noticed that when people become drunk, they become prideful, loud, boastful, and belligerent? They start telling you stuff you never asked. They start telling you about cars you know they never had. Houses you know they ain't never bought. Money you know they ain't got. But it's because they are under an influence. And I've learned that when you are influenced, you will be driven by whatever is influencing you. So Paul concludes that there must be a different feeling. When we're in the world, we are full on wine that the world offers. But there is a new wine that the Bible speaks of. And that wine is the Holy Spirit. Uh, this wine doesn't lead us to make unrighteous decisions. Uh, this wine, this wine doesn't lead us to exact vengeance. This wine, this wine doesn't lead us to betray friendships, but this wine works on us until we mature from fruit to wine. Yeah, the Holy Spirit, when it is done, its perfect work in us can be compared to fine wine as it has the ability to lift one's countenance and bring joy. I don't know if there's anybody in here, but there's something about the word of God that can change my sorrow. It can let me know that, yes, I might feel down and yes, I might feel weary, but I will say it like this. There's going to be joy after this. There's going to be some peace after this because I've read God's word. This joy uh, may be so profound uh, that some may mistake it for drunkenness. Uh, we all read it in Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that when the Holy Ghost came on them, uh, they started speaking in other languages and Peter had to stand up and say, they are not drunk. 
as ye suppose this joy will have people looking at you have you questioned how in the world can you be so happy after all the hell you're going through how in the world you gonna smile when folks talking about you how you gonna keep praying when folks is dissing your name and lying on you I believe your answer would be because there's a joy that I found in the word of the Lord furthermore the Holy Spirit can cultivate gratitude and humility within us helping us to appreciate the blessings in our lives. When you read the word, you'll hear what Paul said. I've learned to be content in all things. I may not have everything I want. I might not have everything my heart desires. Ah, but is there anybody that can sing the song? I got just what I needed from the Lord. I've learned that the Holy Spirit will lead you to approach others with kindness and compassion. Ah, but yes, Jesus gave Gave us a new wine to drink. Uh, anybody know how we got that wine? We got that wine because he died. Uh, didn't he die? He died. He died. He died. He died until the sun got sad. He died until the sun said, I'm not going to shine. He died until the saints were raised from the dead and marched their way to the testimony service to say, I only got up because he died. He died. And when he died, his blood became a substitute for our sacrifices. No longer did we have to give bulls and goats, but his blood became a sacrifice. The Bible lets us know that his blood is a new wine for us. The Bible says, and he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them and saying, drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. The reason we We've got to drink the blood of Jesus. We got to drink on the word. Why? Because there's some deficiencies in our life. And if we're ever going to be filled, we've got to consume something to fill us. So Jesus told us to drink. How you going to get filled with God's spirit? You got to drink. Drink until you're filled with the Holy Ghost. You got to drink. Drink of the well that'll never run dry. You got to drink on the word, but you don't just drink the parts that you like. You don't just drink Psalms 23 and 1, where it says the Lord is my shepherd. You don't just drink where the Bible says he maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. But you got to drink the parts that you don't like. You got to drink 1 Peter 1 and 16, where the Bible says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Now, you ought to drink. Isaiah 1 and 16 where the Bible says wash you and make you clean which means you gotta wash yourself. There are some of us waiting on God to pick us up but you gotta make up in your mind that I'm gonna change for the Lord. So the Bible says wash you and make you clean. Put away your evil doings before my eyes and cease to do evil. You gotta drink 
James 4 and 7, where it says, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You got to drink, because you're not drinking to get drunk. You're not drinking to feel good. You're not drinking to make the pain go away. But you're drinking on the word so you can be transformed. You're drinking to be changed. It might be hard. It might be hard to keep drinking because in the process, the word will cut you. In the process of your drinking, it'll make you not feel good. In your process of transformation from fruit to wine, you're going to have to be pressed. There's going to be some things that make you uncomfortable. You're going to be pressed until those bad sugars leave your taste. Pressed until your desires change. Pressed until you change the way you walk. Pressed until you change the words you use. Pressed until you become more refined. I heard the Bible say, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, this thing you're being pressed by, it's only for a moment. This thing that's pressing you. Yes, I know it's uncomfortable to girdle your tongue. I know it's uncomfortable to keep your members to yourself, but it's a light affliction. That's only for a moment because it's working for you a far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. God told me to tell you that the grape was meant to be crushed because God wants to take you from fruit to wine. So you're going to have to be crushed. Uh, grapes only get better uh, the more they are crushed. Uh, so let the haters hate uh, and they can crush on. Uh, because the more you crush me, uh, the finer I get. Uh, the lies, they crush me. Uh, yes, the divorce uh, crushed me. Uh, the foreclosure crushed me. Uh, the disappointment crushed me. Uh, the sickness crushed me. Uh, the backbiting crushed me. Uh, the gossip, it crushed me. But here's what they didn't know, that the more you crushed me, the better you made me. The finer of a wine I became because I'm better because I was crushed. I'm better because I went through this. I'm better because you lied on me. I'm better because you talked about me. Because if you never crushed me, I wouldn't be where I am today. If you didn't crush me, there would be nothing that came on the outside because I've been drinking on the word so instead of me cussing you out when you crush me I'm going to pray for you when you crush me I'm going to be nice to you yes things might seem hard but after this you're going to come out better after this you're going to be greater after this you've got to understand that yes you're going to be crushed but God is wanting to squeeze the very best out of you. You're not a failure. You're not a quitter. But God wants you to understand that you can't see the best parts of your life if you ain't never been through nothing. If you ain't never been broke, then you can't never get rich. If 
you ain't never not had, then you can't never have. If you ain't never been heartbroken, then you can't never appreciate love. So yes, you got to go through difficult moments so that you can understand that if I can survive that, then God can bring me through this. I'm on my way to my seat, but I want to tell you a story about a young man named John John. John John once lived a reckless and indulgent life. He lived a life that was so bad and naughty, but he understood that I've got to change because there are some things I want to see in my life. I'm tired of living the way that I'm living. I'm tired of feeling that there's no purpose to my life, and I want to have a life that's full of fulfillment. I want to have a life where I feel like something. So he decided that I've got to take up a hobby. So he took up wine making and he learned while he was making wine that the best wine takes time the best wine takes some seasons sometimes it takes years to get the best out of the wine he learned that it's going to take patience if I'm going to get some good wine and I need you to understand that just like wine ages the longer you stick with God the longer you hold his hand He's going to develop some virtues. He's going to develop some things in your life that's going to change you. He's going to teach you how to be patient. He's going to teach you how to wait. Because I heard the Bible saying that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. You got to understand that God's going to develop some virtues. Like discipline. Yes, you might want to go off. Yes, you might want to let them have it. But you've got to have some discipline. Because if I wait a little bit, if I exercise some discipline, I might save myself some trouble. You got to understand that God wants you to learn how to have self-control. Because God could have easily lost his temper with you. He could have easily taken you out. But he exercise self-control that self-control is the blood he gave you because when he sees the blood he changes his mind he decides he's not going to do what you deserve and so we got to understand that we're going to have to apply the philosophy of wine making we got to understand that while we're cutting our wine and while we're changing our life that there's going to be some things that we've got to cut out of our life. There's some unhealthy habits that we've got to get rid of. And we've got to develop some healthy habits. You can ask God to help your health. And you don't want to exercise. You don't want to eat right. You can ask God. God, get me out of this. But you pray at church. But you don't pray at home. You don't read your Bible at home. The church is not the place to play in your practice. But the church is the place.
place to learn how to practice. So when you get in the world, you can play the game for real. So John John learned how to work on himself. And as he worked on himself, his relationships got better. As he worked on himself, he felt a little happier. As he worked on himself, he felt more fulfilled. He understood that since I've been working on myself, I feel a little bit better now. I've gotten further now. He understood that there's joy in the process of maturity. He understood that just like that bottle of wine that improved with age, I'm going to get stronger, stronger over time. And I want you to understand that John John's story ought to serve inspiration for us. That yes, you might have to wait. Yes, you might have to be crushed. Yes, you might have to be pressed. But that's all right because God wants to bring out the best version of you. Brothers and sisters, sisters and brothers, we got to follow John John's example. We got to let the Holy Spirit develop us into functional people. We can be so confused, but we got to understand and that God wants to use us for his purpose. Is there anybody here that wants God to make your life better? You want God to change your reactions. I know I don't react right. I know I don't think right, but I need something. Might I suggest to you that what you need is another feeling. What you need is God to pour his spirit on you. I think it's not lost huh, that today is communion Sunday huh, and he gives us the opportunity to drink of his blood. Huh. What are you drinking for? Huh? What are you consuming for? Huh? Because if we're not being filled, huh, then we're wasting our time. Huh. If we're not getting better, huh, then we're wasting our time. Huh. You ought to say yes. God wants us to understand. Life is difficult. Ain't no can be. Ain't no might be. And if it ain't difficult yet, keep living. I thought life wasn't difficult until I had to pay a bill. But the point that I'm making is that all that we go through in life is aging us into finer wine. And what I think is interesting is Jesus died. And y'all know I found out we've been lying in church. We've been saying Jesus been dead for almost 2000 years. It's almost, it ain't over yet. It's about 1900 and something. I get y'all the right count later on. But anyways, my point is, but his story has gotten better over time. Whether it's wine or grape juice, when we take of the Lord's body and of the Lord's blood, we now have the privilege of consuming God in a new way, in a better way. There were moments where our foreparents didn't understand the will of God the way that we do. So they just held on to what they understood. They prayed what they could pray. They read what they could read. They sang what they could sing. What excuse do we have 
to not do better because the wine has aged to not do better because he tarried and didn't come back, but he gave us an opportunity. And that's what I want us to think about. God has taken your life from fruit to wine. And just because your wine doesn't mean you're finished. You're just aging and getting better. The doors of the church are now open. And there may be one today that says, Pastor, I, I don't really understand. And I, I, I feel like I, I hear about this Jesus fellow. But um, I don't really get it. We'll make it simple. Developing a relationship with Jesus Christ is simply you being poured into a new bottle that's going to take care of you, that's going to make sure you age right, that's going to make sure you are properly monitored. That's all living with Jesus is about. He's a hand holder. And I want to invite you, if you need somebody to hold your hand and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, come. You can come by way of baptism and come by way of Christian experience or by letter. And y'all know I say it every week. I don't care how you come, but the worst thing you can do is not come. You might be here and you might say, I need a church home. I need a church family. Here's what I've learned. I've never seen a grape grow by itself. And you need more than one grape to make wine. And so that means that God has created a cluster for community. He created a vineyard for community. He gave us the church for community. And you might be hearing you saying, you know what? I want to be a part of that community. I want to invite you to come. I want to invite you to come. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We hope you were touched and blessed by what you have heard. Remember to follow us on social media. For more info about Peace NBC, visit us at www.peacenbchurch.org. If you would like to support this ministry and help us reach more souls, visit our website and click Give into this ministry. Be blessed, and we will see you next time. East MBC Podcast. Podcast. Podcast.